0: Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. I didn't have a playbook starting
1: out. I had to learn everything the hard way. The good news is you don't have to.
0: Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Let's get to work. I'm going to make a video and I'm going to like DM him on Instagram and just see, like basically say the same thing. So, Yeah. I mean, Um, so yeah, it's, it's all about, you know uh, being unconventional, but kind of going back to your initial question is I do more one-on-one coaching. Like let's figure out what the problem is in, mm -hmm. in sort of the, the leadership corporate environment. Let's figure out what the problem is. Maybe, maybe you're the problem and you need the solution. Maybe, It it could be, and I'm, I'm open, you know, I can be fired by saying that too, but that's okay.
1: (laughs) At least we all know the problem. now. You don't want to go into an organization consulting and and having to be a kiss ass the whole time. That's not going to get anybody any. No, that's not, that's
0: not not what I'm there for. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, as much as Andy complains about people in his DMs, asking him stupid questions, he must read them at some point, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, so I think, I think he got a shot there for sure. All right. Well, we'll just roll into it. Um, guys, I've got William Branham. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that the proper way to pronounce it? Branham. Him? Yeah. Okay. The, ah. All right. Guys, I've got William Branham here with me and uh, he is the CEO for Five Sale Secrets Naked, and, and the founder of Naked War, Warrior Recovery. And he's also a business
0: consultant with uh, NALU Strategic Solutions. Is that correct? Nalu, yeah, Nalu, strategic Sh- solutions. I'm, I'm rolling that into really into, um, into under the five steel secrets. Oh, fantastic! And so, um,
1: that those are all three. I guess you're, you're either partnered or those are all three your business in some way, shape, or form. All three, yeah. All so three. So a bit of a bit of a serial entrepreneur then, huh? Yeah, something like that. Fantastic. So I, I like w- to solve problems. Absolutely. So I guess walk us through your, your history. I haven't even mentioned probably the most impressive part, which is, uh, you were a 26 year Navy SEAL. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct.
0: Yeah. So I mean, Navy SEALs don't last. Technically it was, it was 23, 23 of my 26 years. I I spent 23 years in the, or 26 years in the, in the military, in -hmm. the Navy and 23 of those 26, I was, I was in the SEAL teams. I gotcha.
1: That's insane though, right? I mean, like no, the, the average time that you're actually on a seals team isn't that like six or seven years from what so I understand. the way
0: so the way it works is it's 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 just like any other military organization you have the first your first tour on that seal team is five years okay and then from there you can you potentially stay on that team for another tour you know another de- round of deployments but the way that we work in a seal teams is we are we work on an 18month uh, 24-month deployment cycle. So the way it's set up is you have six months of professional development. That's where you're going to schools to learn how to be a, uh, a combat controller, like control aircraft overhead mm-hmm. potentially, learn how to you know talk on radios, load programs, uh, build uh, communications plans uh, go out in the field and, you know, really learn how to like be the master of that, of that radio, because we need, we need comms guys in in the field. You learn to be, you may go to sniper school. You may go to breacher school, learn to be a breacher, blow up doors, blow holes in in buildings, blow stuff up, Mm -hmm. uh, become a a diving supervisor so that we can, you know, uh, supervise our own dives when we're on a mission or we're in training or we're deployed or whatever it is, uh, be a, a, uh, uh, rope master, where you learn how to throw people out of uh, helicopters or airplanes via fast rope or rappelling and, and things like that. Jump, you know, a jump master, jumping uh, out of airplanes. You learn all these skills uh-huh. uh, during that six month period. So that's that's individual based. You need like at least two of those people for each SEAL platoon. A pl- SEAL platoon is anywhere between 16 and 22 guys. A task unit is two or more platoons underneath a a kind of a a SEAL senior leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's several task units at a SEAL team. So so the way it works is you have six months of professional development. So you're on the road going to school training to be one of these, get one of these qualifications or more. Uh, Then you go into six months of what we call unit level training and that unit level training is very focused on building the basics and it doesn't matter if i just came back from a deployment and it was my seventh deployment overseas and i have a bunch of new guys that come into the platoon with me every single one of us are going to start at the most basic level of let's just say close quarters combat Mm -hmm. you know that's where you you go in and you clear buildings and and it's all the super sexy stuff that you see on tv right but we don't we don't stay super advanced. Every time we come back from a deployment and we start over, we start at the most basic level so that everyone has the exact same foundation. Everyone always can always revert back to the most basic of, of training. And so we'll have two guys unloaded, you know, go into a center fed room with no threats and then we'll, Increase the threats and the complexity from that most basic level. Then we'll add paint, then we'll add multiple people, then we'll add multiple targets, multiple threat areas, and we'll move the door to a different area. Then we'll add more people, then we'll move it to live fire, and we'll have hallways and all sorts of other stuff. So the complexity and the stress of it increases very quickly. But no matter what, we always come back and we always review the basics because if you don't, if you're not solid on the basics it doesn't matter how advanced you get it doesn't matter what occupation that you're in Mm -hmm. if you can't master the basics it's kind of like uh like a boxer if you see a boxer and when they're shadow boxing and they're warming up they're very crisp and they're clean and they're the way that they're they're warming up in their in a fight when they get tired and their hands start dropping they're going to go back to the basics they don't have the power but at least their chin is down their shoulders tucked up and they're rolling their punches. They're not just like haymakers all over the place. The guy that stays and grows back to the basics, he's the guy that's going to win because the other guy's just going to get gassed out. His chin's going to be up and he's going to give that target for the other guy to knock him out. Yeah. Too um, often,
1: too often when, uh, you know, I see, uh, a team slipping, whether it's sales or just, you know, operations or anything like that, we're, we're, making our jobs too complicated you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's somebody trying to get promoted before they get promoted and making the job more complicated than it is. So, uh, too often we'll do a completely, you know, basics of sales training on everybody just to remind them, Hey, you,
0: you didn't forget how to do this job. You're just making it harder than it is because you're bored. You know? <laughs> so, like, let's just go back to the basics of what is your script? Mm-hmm. Do you have a script? Or are you just winging it? Mm-hmm. So and, that, and, it, and that's really it. And so as we move along and we become better at the basics, we have a solid foundation of basics. Then we go into more advanced training and then we do maybe some um, theater like deployment specific training the last six months. And then the, the following six months, we do a, a six month deployment to wherever we go overseas. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, the, the only reason,
1: so I did a, what was it called? Um, we called it, uh, or they called it
0: Apex Evolution. So you're, you're, you're in Apex now, correct? When, when did you join? I'm actually not in Apex. Oh, you're not. I just, okay. I am a, let's see, what am I? I am, I, so I'm part of uh, Stacy Rathke's okay. uh, team of coaches. Gotcha. Uh, I'm like a, I am a adjunct professor, maybe of sorts where I come <laughs> in and I, I like maybe teach some classes here and there for, for some people. I've cool. uh, not been to a, like a full on Apex event. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you, are you set up to go to Million Dollar Mastermind? I am not because specifically because it's my daughter's birthday and oh, she okay. has been very, um, adamant about me not missing her birthday. So <laughs> you I'm going to honor it, her. I am honoring her request. Absolutely. So, um, within
1: Apex, um, there's a few, uh, there's a few, uh, uh special opera or guys with special operations experience, um, one of the guys is Zach Hughes and he's a, he's a green yep. beret and I do uh, work with Zach. Okay, great. So, you know, uh, the company that or the, um, nonprofit that he works for, uh, mm-hmm. placing, uh, special operators into the corporate elite the workforce, meet. elite me. Yeah. And so I was just curious, but anyway, Zach put on this, um, event called, uh, apex evolution and it was really cool cause it was for, you know, entrepreneurs like me to go in, you know, and pay five grand and spend, you know, spend like 36 hours with, you know, first they warmed us up, did a couple physical activities and stuff like that with our, with our normal apex coaches. And then they, they fed us to the wolves. Right. And so they blindfolded right. us threw us in the back of the truck and ran us through some, um, uh, some training, you know, maybe a small piece of training, you know, very small <laughs> compared to what you sure. guys go through, but we didn't get to sleep. You know what I mean? We had to, uh, jump into cold bass and, you know, do operations and stuff like that. But then in, in between they taught us, um, kind of the history of uh, special operations and why they were even a thing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, how that all worked and everything. And then, you know, I, I know one of the things they did mention along the way is that typical career for uh, a, a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret or any of these uh, special ops was like six to seven years because of the intensity yep. of the missions and everything and the training.
0: And typically their you know, bodies break down before your careers do. You know what I'm saying? So, Oh, yeah. And and so some of that is actually built into the, to the career path. Mm -hmm. So I can spend five or six years on a SEALS team, but at some point they want to get some of that training that they put into me back out of me. So they'll may bring me back and have me be in part of the, the training department for Mm -hmm. two or three years so that I'm running training. I'm running close quarters combat. I'm running, you know, land warfare or mobility or whatever, and become an expert in that, specific field of training mm-hmm. you know, or i go to become a buds instructor on the west coast or gotcha. i uh teach like sniper school or, or breacher school i and go and teach those classes and become a better better sniper a better breacher a better mm-hmm. jump master whatever it is diving supervisor and then go back to the team and a more leadership position and then yeah. you know as i move up in in leadership positions the physical demands for me I don't know if they're, they're increased or decreased. I'm older. I'm a little more frail. Right. I still have to perform at the same level as the guys that are under me. Right. So maybe they actually increase, uh, but I'm not expected to do some of the things like I'm, no, that's not true. I'm mm-hmm. expected to do every single thing that they do, but I'm a little bit smarter about how I do it. And they're, Absolutely. you know, as a, as a brand new guy, they are actually going to do more work and they're going to work harder because they're trying to earn their stripes and prove that they, even though you went through seal training, no one cares everyone here has been through seal training mm-hmm. now prove that you belong on the team that makes a whole lot of sense you know and
1: it it just reminds me of everything that you know i consult on with opportunity structure you know the different levels of opportunity within your company and whether it's the sales force or whether it's your uh, operational team you know basically them them going through that initial training and actually working in the field and then bringing it back and being able to train the new people coming in and uh, being able to transfer that that information. But what happens a lot of times is, you know, and I I would imagine the training for a Navy SEAL is incredibly structured and formatted and written down, right? But what happens a lot in organizations is uh, somebody that has been in the field as a salesperson comes back and tries to train the next guy coming on, but he trains them with his experience in mind, so he skips steps. Because he's able to skip those steps because he already knows them, you know what I'm saying? And so... um, I, I can imagine it. And it it all can be tied together, right? So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is one of the actual videos that I saw of yours was about micro quits. And it was an interesting it was a very interesting oh, yeah. concept to me because, you know, and it really does apply to salespeople in the field and particularly my field, which, you know, my expertise is in door to door, right? And I can I can when you were explaining all that stuff, it, it brought me back to my days when I was actually knocking the doors and I had those little micro quits, you know, that I was going to uh, cut my field time half an hour short so I can go to lunch early. Cause I've been told no all day, you know what I mean? And that I was going to uh, not eat a salad and I was going to eat, you know, a greasy burger, even though I knew it would make me lethargic in the later part of the yep. day. And I wouldn't want to knock yep. doors as much. And then, it, you know, that I would do another micro quit and quit at six in the evening versus seven thirty in the evening when it gets dark. And I miss that hour and a half, you know? So, um, it was just like an intro video. So I was very curious about that concept and if you could explain it for us. And then maybe the, you know, the people listening can, uh, kind of guard against it for their, for their teams.
0: So that, that was actually, it was, um, I remember, I remember that conversation. So, oftentimes I'll go to an organization and I'll share a presentation. It's five seal secrets to help you learn to think like a Navy seal. And I'll give you a little secret right now. Okay. The secret is, is naked. It's the acronym naked. So my slogan is get naked. And that's, we, we can talk about that in a minute, mm-hmm. but it, all, naked is also an acronym. So the, the acronym it, it stands for the N is for never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is to kill mediocrity. The E is expose exposure fears. And the D is do the work. So I gave the presentation and this was sort of Q and a after the presentation with, with, uh, guys and girls in the room. And, um, the guy was talking about, he went through a, 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 an event. It was called the project, uh, Bader's puts it on out in California. And, and it's like, twelve. like, I think now they're charging $15,000 to go through 75 hours of get your ass handed to you really, at the end of the day. Uh, And they have a very, very, very high attrition rate. Oh, and you know what, if you quit, you don't get your money back. Sorry, you quit. Um, But they try to build you up before, but they're going to break you down and then build you up at the end. But Mm -hmm. you know, right up until the end, they want you to like, it's, it's really, you know, breaking down this ego and this whatever you have going on. And so one of the guys went through the project, and he graduated. And he was like, how did you go through training and, and, and not quit? And I said, well, I actually quit all the time. And those were micro quits when I would feel sorry for myself. And it wasn't until I was, you know, I was at buds for, so buds is six months long and it took me a short 13 months to graduate training. Um, so by the time, and it was in the first phase, I kept getting rolled back cause I kept getting injured. But at the point that I finally got to hell week, I had been there for at least six months. Mm -hmm. And so I was pretty hardened and calloused for people who didn't want to be there, but I still felt sorry for myself at times, you know, we would run and, you know, my legs are burning and my stomach hurts and Oh my God, I'm feeling, you know, I want to slow down. But when you give that pain a voice, you, when you allow it to be in your head Mm -hmm. and you listen to it, then you, that's when you actually quit. But there were times where I wanted to quit, kind of like what you talked about. Like, I I know what to do. I know I just have to keep going. And eventually, as I kept running, I would push through that pain and I would feel better. I'd get the, like the second wind or the fifth wind or whatever it is yeah. on the other side of it. But it was just pushing through that pain of like wanting to kind of quit. And early on in training, I actually did those little micro quits a lot. I didn't keep up on the runs. I fell behind. But there was a price like, you know, steel training is is. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. You just have to show up and you have to do what you're told to do and not quit. But, and, you know, you don't have to keep up on the run, like the soft sand runs for three or four miles. Uh, But, you know, you're going to pay the man on the backside. They say, pay me now or pay me later. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of paying me later. But I actually got stronger because I would have those little micro quits and I would fall behind. And then at some point they're like, okay, if you're behind me, then you're going to go to the goon squad. And so the Goon Squad is there to to like give you some extra training to help either make you want to quit or make you stronger. And so I spent a lot of time in the Goon Squad. I was the master of the Goon Squad. And so eventually I became strong enough to actually keep up on the runs. But it was like, but I had to go through those little baby quits, those micro quits. I knew I was never going to quit for real, but I Mm -hmm. certainly like, I was never going to leave, but I did had many times of feeling sorry for myself. And I I think, you know, in life and business and everything that we do, we have these moments of feeling sorry for ourselves, Uh even like getting up in the morning, get up when your freaking alarm clock goes off. Oh, I kind of feel sorry for myself. Let me sleep for five more minutes. Get the fuck out of bed. Sorry. I didn't know if I could swear on that. No, you're good. It's my bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. Sometimes I get a little excited. No, you're good. But those, but that's my internal monologue. Like I Mm -hmm. still struggle with it. I just have to be a little bit rude to myself, like get up and get after it, man.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, so much of, you know, what we do, you know, whether, whether you're representing your, your companies and you're offering your services to a CEO and that's a sale right there, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm selling a CEO on consulting. Right. And then the, the same thing with your consulting company, um, we we have these i guess uh with these marks we need to hit in terms of prospecting or in terms of hitting the doors or dialing or whatever and then we have these conversations in our head over and over again you know should i make that next phone call or i don't want to make that i don't want to make 10 more calls but i know i have to make these amount of calls in order to get this result right and then if we have that micro quit what's going to happen and you're not going to get the result and it's going to be a compounding effect of more work you've got to do in order to get that result. So at the end of the day, I think the psychology there is all all you're doing is, is kicking the can down the road and you're going to have to do it at some point. If you want to make this check or you're not going to make the check. Right.
0: Right. I I think about it. I don't know if you do any kind of long range shooting or anything like that, but when you're in, in the, in the sniper world, mm -hmm. you know, we do long range shooting. Very accurate uh, is the kind of, is, is the point, hit the target very far away, given all these different conditions. One of the things that one of the measurements that we use in the kind of in the marksmanship world we use the, what's called a minute of angle. Okay, basically, what that is, it's a it's an it's an angle of, of, of measure. And to be very simple about it, it's one inch at 100 yards, two inches at 200 yards, three inches at 300 yards. So basically, what you have is you have this divergence that the further you go out, the bigger that margin of error is. Right. And so in, in the, the long range shooting world, and as, as a sniper, you know, I use minutes of angle to, to measure how far off I am or how much I've missed, mm-hmm. you know, you want a gun that can shoot at least a minute of angle so that, you know, your rounds at a hundred yards are landing inside of a one inch square pasty. If we thought about, business sales just doing things in that same respect like the further away you go the, the longer of a shot that you're making the bigger your margin of error so you can't have those micro quits. You have to have your, your points of performance that you have to have your breathing down just mm-hmm. right. You have to have good side alignment. You can't have any scope shadow. You have to have, you know, you can't jerk the trigger. You have to break the trigger right when it's in the center of the target so that your margin of error stays inside of that one minute of angle. Mm-hmm. If you have these little micro quits and you're like, oh, I'm, I don't feel like making that one call. What if what if they reject me? Well, guess what? You're going you're to get rejection on the phone. It's fine. You're making a, a cold call. That's yeah, what it is. And we're, and we're, it's, it's even, it's even harder now because you've got all this like automated telemarketing and, and things like that, that people are like, yep, suck it, Trebek. I'm not answering the phone. <laughs> um, so it, so maybe you have to be more creative, but at the end of the day, you have to stick with the basics. The basics of marksmanship are the things that make you a really, really good long range shooter. And it all comes back to like that one minute of angle. The gun can only shoot so hard. You can't mm-hmm. make it shoot harder. But what you can do is you can optimize what you put into shooting that gun to make it shoot as hard as it possibly can. I don't know if that made sense. I made it up right yeah. there on the spot. No, it it,
1: it makes a hundred percent sense because you're you're completing all the steps before you fire that gun. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, a lot of times with you know a sales presentation, we want to skip steps because the customer shows a little interest. You know what I mean? And we get overexcited. Yeah. We might skip the full qualification to get right to the presentation, right to the close. Um, And and, and instead of doing that, if we go through the qualification properly, like you said, you know, lining everything up and pulling the trigger the right way and and doing everything the right way, then we can hit our target. Right. Um, So one of the things that I've experienced, so I've been recruiting people for 12 years now. Right. And uh, some of my, my favorite people to work for me are ex-military. Right, because they understand regimen, they understand routine, they yep. understand steps to a process. And if you give them an assignment, you know what I mean, and give them a certain amount of marks to hit, they'll hit them every day. And if they do that, then they get the result and they're successful in the business, right? Um, and and so th- there's a few categories here. There's, there's ex-military and then also like ex-drug users. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes they're one in the same. Yeah. And so when you're recruiting, well, let's just start with the military. What, if I want to recruit military people because they are regimented and they're responsible and, and um, they're able to operate at a higher level than most
0: civilians. um, If I want to recruit military, how do I, how do I do that? So there, there are actually quite a few organizations out there that help veterans transition to civilian life mm-hmm. and what i like to say i like to say that that my transition from the military to civilian to the civilian world is really the hardest military mission i've ever been on okay because all i've ever known has been the military mm-hmm. like i spent a, like a quarter century in or more in the in the military i spent my entire adult life i'm a young man by the way i am very young uh <laughs> but uh but there are, are organizations out there that are helping veterans transition to the civilian workforce So the military doesn't do a great job of cha- training a military member to transition. but there are other you know organizations that do uh, one of them off the top of my head that's right it's in Texas. I assume you're in Texas because there's mm-hmm. a Texas flag hanging behind you yeah um, they're called uh, Centurion Military Alliance and I can make a an introduction after this mm-hmm. uh, and the girl that that is running that organization. She's actually the CEO of a couple of organizations helping veterans and athletes uh, transition from being, you know, part of a team, uh, a, a, a military team, a sports team, a high performing team to another high performing team and just giving them some of the skills and the tools, but also connecting the dots so that, you know, it's an easier transition, you know, because as, as a veteran, I love, other veterans. I love companies that support other veterans because like, right. again, you know, we, I was, I was talking to to someone the other day. I'm like, I don't even know what like a, a you know, the, the standard American is because I've lived in a bubble my entire, my entire life. Yeah. I was like a poor, poor white kid in Mississippi. And uh, then I joined the military and I became part of an elite organization. I have no idea what what, it, what it's real like to be world average. is like, <laughs> and now, and now, like the average American, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I mean, I go back home and I'm like, I, maybe that, maybe they're average Americans. I don't know. Um, yeah, because I, I just sort of assimilate into whatever environment I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, when it comes to marketing, I'm like, how do I, mar- I don't know who the average American is to market too. So right. how do I build that avatar? So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing that I've, that I have gone through, but yeah, there are organizations out there that help put uh, veterans in the right spot, or at mm-hmm. least give them the tools to help find a good next career. Because even they, the military isn't, you know, even though I spent 26 years in the military, I have a retirement check, but it's not very much money. Right. It's like, yeah. you like
1: it's transition. some beer money
0: really yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. It doesn't like actually pay the bills or do anything outside of like, yeah. Do you think that's a, that's a reasonable
1: transition from, you know, cause like most of the sales I've recruited from are entry level commission only, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, for, I'm I'm not consulting for anybody that's doing that. You know, they all have base pay and stuff like that, but is, is that a good transition? Is it a good transition for, uh, let's just say, you know, obviously they don't have to be a special operator, just any military to transition into sales. That is, uh, a lot of your income is based on commission. I
0: think it's uh, a, a small base would be good, mm-hmm. but I think as long as you're teaching the skills and doing a really, really good job of teaching the skills. I think that's where a lot of companies fall short. Mm-hmm. There's a, a one of my clients. She works for a company, and the company they're so busy trying to grow, they're not taking the time to actually train their salespeople on how to do the job. Okay. Some of it is like there's also a little bit of corporate culture because it's in in the in the mortgage industry, okay. where it's like it's free money all the time, and you don't yeah. have to do anything. Well you know what, you got to train people on how your system works. Oh, your system, your, your widget is different than everyone else's widget. Mm. Uh, And not everyone in the organization knows how to even use the widget. You just like, you have your sales pitch, but then what happens when it's not working, like, how do you, do you actually know how to work the system? Do you know how to sell the system? Do you know how to communicate with your customers, blah, Mm. blah. And it's like, it's that breakdown of training the people on actually how to use the system and then how to do the sales. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's a, a commission, there's a small base, but it's all commission, you know, mostly commission, you know, at the end of the day, how many deals did you close? Um, and th- the biggest flaw that I see in the, in that organization, and, and my client is not in the leadership of the organization. Right. She's in the kind of mid, like I'll call the middle management. Right. But, you know, those are, we, we, we talk about things that are going on in the organization to help her navigate what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they're not taking the time to actually train to the Nats ass yeah. how to do the job, because I think most people in that organization don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh they're not taking the time or investing the money, time and money into training people on how to actually do it. Then they're getting by, but they could they could optimize what they're doing with the with this small investment, medium investment that's yeah. gonna pay over over time.
1: And and I could see that happening, especially in an industry like that where I mean, it is, it is fairly, well, it's not fairly easy compared to like 2007, but, um, it's fairly easy to get a mortgage right now. And the commissions are high and that, and that's what I noticed. The higher the income of the individual salesperson, the higher the income average, the less emphasis on training, the less emphasis on structure. And it's more like wild, wild West. You know what I mean? You're a salesperson. Right. Okay, it, come on. And,
0: and, and it has been pretty much free money for a long time, mm-hmm. but what are my, what are interest rates doing right now? They're going up like there it's, there's, there's real competition out there now. So yeah. um, now all of a sudden, so yeah, it, now all of a sudden we want to have systems and processes and training and everything right. in place. And <laughs> then people are coming on board and they they have these unrealistic expectations. Like I won't do anything for less than a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That money's not there anymore.
1: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> It's that's, not there. That's one of the toughest parts. I have people coming into my organizations all the time. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm used to this. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, okay, you can get there in our company, but you're going to have to learn leadership. You know what I mean? Yeah. At, yeah. at An individual rep. And yes, uh, so, so one, of the, one of my divisions is solar. You know what I mean? So a, a solar rep can easily make half a million dollars a year. You know what I mean? If they're dialed yeah. in, they understand their sales training and, and they're working their systems and everything, they could make that organically without even you know, marketing leads or anything like that. Um, but it's one of those things like six months ago, they could make it in half the time. You know what I mean? But right. the, the market's getting smarter. It's getting more competitive. Commissions are being reduced. You know what I mean? And they should be, you know? And um, and so they're having to, instead of just shooting in the dark and then hitting a the commission every now and then and getting paid, you know, seven or eight grand on that commission, they're getting paid four or five or three or four. Right. You know? And so that that's, mm. I think one of the biggest things we can take from this uh, smaller conversation is you've got to have that sales training in place. You've got to make sure that your sales teams are hitting those marks because even though it may be good right now, you know, when there is a downturn, whether it's industry specific or economy specific, uh, they got to be ready for it. And if they're already hitting those marks and their pipeline is full, then they're going to be in great shape. You know, they may see a 10% reduction or something like that. And there's
0: I think there's a, uh, like a a slogan or a phrase out there that says something like you need to hunt Mm -hmm. while you're full absolutely because you know what when everyone starts going hungry the 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 food starts to dry up so you Mm -hmm. need to go hunt while you're full like oh because that's that's complacency Mm -hmm. and i've certainly i've experienced in my own life i'm like oh you know good enough i don't need to like i don't need to take that course i don't need to like get that coaching i don't need help doing whatever until i i don't even recognize it until i'm so far behind the power curve. and I'm like, Holy crap. I am like, how do I even catch up? And then I'm overwhelmed with like <laughs> despair and like, what am I going to do? Oh my God. And so as long as you, you you have to hunt, you know, while you're, while you're hungry mm-hmm. and some of that is just go get training. Uh, what I was thinking about earlier, you know, when you're, we're talking about training is one of the things that sets the, the SEAL teams very or uh, different from other, military units is, you know, we don't, when we send someone to school for that professional development, sniper, breacher, jump master, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we want them to pass. We want them to learn all the information and come back and have that skill set when they show back up. And I think back to like, uh, the, the army specifically Mm -hmm. more conventional army. So they have a sniper course. They have, you know, their, their jump, uh, jump school. They have all, they have all a lot of courses that we do go to. Um, And they are very big on, they want the attrition. They want you to show up and they want to kick you out. And we have a very different, so I I used to be a sniper instructor and that's not our mentality. Our mentality is like, here's the standard. We want you to exceed it by a lot. The standard is very high. Mm -hmm. If you don't make the standard, then you're going back to the team. If I send, if I'm in a leadership position at a team and I send someone to a school and they don't pass, there better be a good reason for them to not pass. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. You're going to pay, like, your your opportunity for schools and professional development from here on out is very low. You have to prove yourself all over again. Just to get to go to sniper school, you have to prove yourself quite often. Um, So we, like, when guys show up, we train them as, like, in the weeds as we possibly can. And then, you know, give them the the highest quality training possible. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. organizations are very army sniper school or airborne schools like the, the best like they would kick people out because they didn't i'm going to use air quotes here keep up on our run the yeah. guy was running right next to me how did he not keep up i mean i'm running in the back because i don't care because i just finished seal training and this is a waste of my time but whatever yeah i'm learning how to fall down for the three weeks before you let me jump out of an airplane that was we don't do that school anymore but it was a good experience to experience the army yeah. like they they cater to lowest common denominator and I'm not bashing on the army. It's a great organization, but just the way the mentality and the way that they think about things and do things is, is very different from the way that we do it in special operations.
1: You know, you're, you're walking through all that and kind of like, you know, the Navy SEAL training and I'm not trying to do this. It's just happening naturally. Like when I first <laughs> got into uh door to door, I knocked for three months and then I immediately replaced myself and I, and I started building my organization and I built my organization all the way up, through 2015, I built it for attrition. You're 100 right. It, it was body count equals bank account. Get everybody in. You know the strong will survive, and then that's that's the people that I'll invest in and everything.
0: And, and that's it, not. I, I don't think that's a bad way to do business. Quite it's, honestly, it's exhausting though. It is very. It is. Very you exhausting. have to have a good HR department. You have to. You know, but yeah. like set that expectation up front. Hey, I'm going to give you the skills. I'm going to like. Mm-hmm. You you have to have a good uh, training team. And they, they get a base, mm-hmm. um, but they need to know what they're doing and they need to know how to do it. And they need to go out in the field and practice it also just to make sure they don't, because that skill is perishable. Yeah, I'm not a, like a door-to-door sales guy, but but I understand sales now. I didn't learn mm-hmm. it in the military. I learned it when I got out and I'm, I'm still learning, but it's a perishable skill. And and so I, you know, my my client, I, I talked to her about like, what if, what if your company did that where you, they did like a six month probation, mm-hmm. like you, it's it's make it or or fall to the wayside right and i, I think i i heard gary v talk about that mm-hmm. uh in a podcast where that's that's the way they do it they they hire fast and they fire fast yeah hey here it is here's the ropes here's how you do it this is th- like it's it's a it's a dotted line maybe or even like a very uh thick line on how to do it mm-hmm. this is the process do you want to put in the work and do it and learn it or not and some people just want, like, oh, I work for Gary Vee or whatever yeah, his company yeah, is called, they just, they, and uh, have that on their resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was an intern at you know whatever, so that that means that it, they didn't make it. But it's, but I think that's a good way to do it, unless you have a very high specialized skill set. And when you invest that much money, so in the SEAL teams, it it's millions and millions of dollars to put a guy through training and get him just to the SEAL team. Mm-hmm. Once he's there, you're now that that then he learns how to become a navy. He doesn't even know how to be a navy seal yet. When yeah. he goes through all that training and shows up at the seal, team, he has no effing clue how to be a navy seal. Mm-hmm. It's the training that he gets in the seal teams. And so when we send someone to school after they show up to this professional development school, sniper breacher, jump master, whatever it is, we want them to pass. We want them to come back even more highly skilled because mm-hmm. it's more money we're dumping in them. Yeah. But it's the investment that we make up front. But it is a high attrition it's a high attrition organization. You know Mm -hmm. uh, the, the numbers, you know, we say the number in it for steel training is about 30% or that make it, it's actually less than that. Okay. It's actually less than that. So, you know, uh, just kind of round numbers through like a single class, you lose about 70% of the people up to hell week and hell week is week number five out of six months. Mm -hmm. And then throughout hell week, you lose another 70% of whatever's left. So that's like thirty percent of thirty yeah. percent, and then even of those guys, not even all of those guys graduate. Mm-hmm. They they you know they wash out for you know maybe medical stuff or yeah. uh, you know something in the water pool comp or disciplinary. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a guaranteed, but you you have that you have that attrition somewhere. We started in SEAL training at, at basic underwater demolition SEAL training. Mm-hmm. And then what do we have left over 90% of those guys become seals and they, and then we invest more time and money and effort into them. But we do have that high attrition thing that you have in the beginning. It's exactly what you said. Yeah. Yeah. And so fire fast, fire fast. Yeah. So in, in, in
1: 17, I finally decided, Hey, I want a company of special operators, you know what I'm saying? Instead of, you know, kind of, kind of a company of just, you know,
0: flush and fill. yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, um, you know we started being smarter about hiring where we hired from and then and then you know like you said the the gary v tactic of you know hire fast fire fast and so um what we started doing was creating that we started morphing the opportunity into a six-figure opportunity we made sure that okay if we're hiring for this opportunity that it, it is a six-figure opportunity and we won't we won't take on a client that won't give us that right so Right. You know, I have a sales, sales organization, so we're for hire basically to, to bring uh, client acquisition. And um, AT&T has been our main client for a long time. And so what we did was we transitioned our door-to-door sales into a referral-based sales in, in apartment complexes. So leasing agents just send our guys all their new move-ins, and then they sign them up for Internet and TV. And so now I have seven guys on my MDU Smart. team that used to produce, what, 30 or forty door to door guys used to pr- produce in the residential markets, um, and so I have seven guys, and they're all six figure earners. And now that is a yep. that's like, a, you know, a, a special operator type position. And if you get that, then okay, it is literally ninety days before you'll start seeing that six figure income come in because we're training you for those ninety days how to uh, build your leasing agents up and develop those relationships and right. and de-
0: but you're doing that attrition piece in the, on the very very front end in the in the uh on the application side mm-hmm. qualification side and the interview side before you right. bring them into your organization you're doing that attrition i think he's a good i don't think that he'll be he or she will will make it in this organization mm-hmm. so you're doing that attrition you're just doing it on the very very front end before right. you they even like really get in the door and start that training
1: yeah, and so we also have our, our uh solar division, which is door to door, right? So some of the guys that do well at appointment setting and that maybe um don't do well at at a closer but they have that work ethic, we might move them into that position. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah, you don't smart. have to be a a uh a badass closer. You just have to be a consistent producer and yep. that and that really works on that on that other division. So we kinda use our organization as a as a filtering Tool as well, you know we took them from the entry level to uh, a high level producer, basically, and so that's one of the ways that we do it and my phone rarely rings from salespeople now, <laughs> you know what I mean, whereas awesome. before I got you know five to ten calls a night because I had a hundred you know door to door reps, so right. uh, that was all kinds of fun. a couple of other things I want to get into um before we wrap up because i've I've dealt with this a lot, you know um and let, let's really two things, PTSD and, uh, recovering addicts, right. And, yep. you know, you obviously have some experience with that, especially with your CBD products. So if, if I have somebody that's ex military and they have PTSD, which I, I have, I have, I've had a bunch of guys with that. How can I be accommodating to that? And then, you know, what direction should that, should I steer them? Not really steer them, but you know, what things should I point them towards to manage
0: that? I'm going to talk about CBD because I have okay. a CBD company, yeah. but every, every, first of all, everyone is different. Uh-huh. I, I like to say that everyone has baggage. We all have baggage. It doesn't matter what our occupation is, what our background is. Some of it is, is I don't call it PTSD. I call it, I call it baggage. Okay. Um, because you know, some of it comes from a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Some of it comes from family members. Some of it comes from, uh, you know, occupation. Some of it comes from the media, some of it comes from social media, like we're bombarded by all this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And some of the baggage is like, we, we put this crap that we carry around in the bag all by ourselves. Right. And then we haul it around. Sometimes other people put it in. Like I have, you know, baggage from some not so awesome relationships that I've been a part of. I carry that around. And sometimes Absolutely. I get hit by those, you know, those, those relationships occasionally. And, um, uh, So for me, when I got out of the military, I'll I'll, I'll tell a little story. I got out of the military. Like I said earlier, it was the hardest military mission I've ever been on. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that transition, figuring out how to be a, a civilian. Like, I don't know what it is. I've lost. When I left the military, I lost. I had a badass team. I had a badass mission and a badass purpose. The day that I was no longer there. I thought I lost it all. I felt like I was completely alone. It was like the the movie The Avengers where Thanos makes half the world's population go away and you're like where did my pet where did my pe- people go? Where what what happened? What's what's going on? Yeah. And so I was very lost. I had a lot of noise in my head that I couldn't turn off. So I would pretty much, you know, I would turn to alcohol to dull the noise in my head mm-hmm. in order to go to sleep. And if you frame it a little bit differently, I would drink myself to sleep or drink until i passed out and then get up the next day and have to like figure my shit out and like go to work and yeah find my purpose my mission my team my whatever so and i'd heard about cbd it's super popular now there's a cbd store on every fucking corner in america yeah um but it's very it's still a very wild west uh products so i would be very careful in the products that you take mm-hmm. but uh for me cbd was a, the reason i got into the industry is it was a modality of modality it was not a cure that helped turn the noise down in my head so i didn't have to re- rely on alcohol and okay. you know kind of the way it worked for me i didn't notice anything i took it i was like whatever i got it someone gave me a bottle i'm trying it i'm using it i don't know if it's helping or not uh maybe i slept a little bit better maybe i was a little pissed off when i started taking it but what i noticed over like the 30 days that i took it that bottle was gone is i say water boils at 212 degrees i was probably living at 210 degrees okay so my fuse was very short i was very close to that boiling point it didn't take much for me to hit that boiling point Mm -hmm. but what i noticed at the end is like kind of over time i went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190 maybe 185 so i got out of that red zone and more to an orange like more of an orange zone my fuse was longer i had less pains in my body from 26 years of Doing crazy stuff, mm-hmm. and and I was like, maybe that was p- placebo. Maybe, maybe it did something. Maybe not. But I do notice that my 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 fuse is longer. I'm less pissed off. Uh, and then I started, you know, I stopped taking it because I ran out. And I started getting closer to that boiling point again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe it was placebo again. But let me try a different brand. I tried a different brand, very similar results. Okay. And then I met someone. So I, I'm interested in CBD. Like I want to be part of the industry. I want to like figure this stuff out. And I met someone in the CBD industry and she was like, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? I said, I don't know how to do that. And she said, you're a Navy SEAL. (laughs) You can figure it out. So I I politely asked her for my man card back. She gave it to me and I started digging into the industry. The industry is like super dirty. So I wanted to, to you know, create the highest quality uh, product on the market. So that's where naked warrior recovery came from. But as I was looking at my mission and purpose, my mission was high quality CBD. Well, everyone has a premium quality CBD. What's my real purpose. Why am I really doing this? Why did I even get into the CBD industry? Well, i found the statistic that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat in two theaters of war. And I was like, Holy shit, that is not okay. And so Because CBD was a, so, so our mission at naked Warrior recovery is 22 to zero to eliminate veteran suicide. If we can make it 22 to 21, also we're on our way, but we're not done. So for me, CBD was a modality that helped turn down the noise, the negative self-talk that I had. And, and so what I, once I got control of that noise, that negative self-talk, and I could have positive self-talk, I came up with what I call the, the 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 get naked mindset which is taking your ego off taking that armor that we carry around taking that baggage that we carry around off putting it to the side becoming uh exposing ourselves, becoming vulnerable in order to find the healing that we actually need it's not an easy path like the the, the courage that it takes to take that ego off and that armor off mm-hmm. is it's it's a lot of courage and it takes a long time to get there so but that was part of the you know the get naked mindset and as I I was like so what else can i do other than you know here's a, a really expensive oil that some people can take what else can i do so i came up what i with what i call you know again the get naked mindset and so naked is an acronym and the acronym stands for the n is for never quit the a is accept failure the k is kill mediocrity the e is exposure fears and d is do the work and so and this is a presentation that i give to organizations i give this from stage and then i you know it's also sort of the foundation of a lot of the consulting that I do, because you can take that and apply that to pretty much any, any industry, any level of leadership and, and any mindset that you're going through. You, you know, oftentimes, you know, we're, we're, you know, they, the exposure fears, that noise that's in the back of your head, those fears you don't want to share with anyone. You don't want to tell anyone about You don't want to like (laughs) admit weakness ever. And so for that, You know, there's lots of ways to expose your fears. Some people are talk therapy. I'm not really a talk therapy kind of guy. Maybe it's you're, you're a, um, you just need to do hard, do face the thing that scares you. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's public speaking. Go take a public speaking class, go take an acting class and get in front of people and speak. You're going to find out very quickly that those people want you to succeed, not fail, that you think they want you to fail. Yeah. Uh, But one of my favorites is uh, a friend of mine who was also a business coach. He says that fear does not exist on paper. And so what he does, and he's in the billionaire category, Mm -hmm. by the way, and he still gets stresses and anxieties and like overwhelmed sometimes human. And so when he, when he has that going on, those noises come out, he'll pull over, he'll stop at a Starbucks, he'll go get a cup of coffee, he'll sit down with a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper, not his phone, not his iPad, pencil and piece of paper, and write down every thought, every stress that is bothering him, put it on a piece of paper, and then he'll read it. And 100% of the time, I've tried this, it's awesome. You read that and you're like, really? That's the thing that's bothering me? That's what's bugging me? It gives you the stresses that we have in our life. Yeah, you're like, because you're not controlling it. It's controlling you. It Mm -hmm. lives in that dark place. I look at fear uh, to be like a vampire. A vampire lives in the darkness and it sucks the life out of you. Fear lives in that dark place in your brain and it sucks the life out of you. It's exactly the same thing. So how do you kill a vampire? You expose it to sunlight. How do you kill these fears that you carry around? You expose them, you write them down, you do hard things, you face those fears. And once you're able to expose those fears, you'll control them and they won't control you. But by writing them down, you you actually, you expose it to the world, you expose it to yourself, you get it out of that dark place and you're able to see like, really, that's what's bothering me. It doesn't, it's not a one and done, it's time, it's effort. It's, you have to do it over and over yeah, again. Rips. Most people don't want to do that we're stuck in like sort of mediocrity and we want instant gratification. And, and so, you know, I addressed that with, you know, the get naked mindset, but, but you have to, you have to continue to do that and you have to want to get better and you have to want to like beat the thing that's kicking your ass. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what it's all about. That's it's, you know, that, you know, never quit accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. But so, so long story to come back to your actual question is there's, there are things that they can do. You CBD, is a modality that helped me. Everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Again, I didn't notice anything when I was taking it. I noticed what I didn't feel after I had been taking it for a while. It's like, Oh, I, my brain is working better and differently. So that's cool. Um, and then I had to do the self work. I had to, I had, I had to want to improve. If you don't want to improve, if they don't want to get better then they're not going to, that's Mm -hmm. the end of the day, you can throw the the perfect solution. And if, if people don't want to get better, they're not going to. Yeah, but those are like those are just kind of some skills that that um, they have to want to get better. Number one, and then two, CBD could be an answer, maybe not, uh, but it's doing that self work of trying to get better. At the end of the day, and even if like let's just say that you're trying to help them get better, you know, you can offer it and offer it. It's like sales. You mm-hmm. can offer it and offer it and offer it, and they can just say no, I don't want to do that, and you just have to keep going. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. It's, it's sales one one Absolutely. So uh, when you're talking
1: about your, your naked mindset, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is basically their, their, their core values, you know, and um, one of ours is we do the work <laughs> within our company. And, um, but I, li- I like the naked acronym because honestly, you know, I began my self-development journey, I would say about a year ago. Uh, after I joined Apex and I started to get introduced to all these concepts and everything. And uh, what I realized when I made the biggest leaps in terms of mindset was when I just put it all out there. You know, and a lot yep. of times we you, you said baggage, you know, and some of the some of the baggage is is baggage that our you know our parents have put on us or um, that you know our experiences. It's amazing. Or, it's amazing the damage
0: that gets done to yeah, us inadvertently.
1: <laughs> exactly. Especially for being being a child but I had worked through that, and I understood that, and I had a good grip on it, but a, a lot of mine came from, because in my 20s, I made a lot of the wrong decisions, and as soon as I started, you know, a lot of what I put out there on social media is, you know, building great sales teams, right, but it's funny, because I'll I'll do a post on that, and then I started putting myself out there in terms of doing uh, podcasts and being a guest on podcasts, and, um, one of the first ones I did was Nikki Corson's podcast. And that's basically where I went on there publicly and said, Hey, throughout my, you know, uh, the, the peak years of my business, you know, I was unfaithful to my wife, you know what I mean? And I eventually I got a divorce because of it, you know, and this is why I did it. You know what I mean? And I, I completely exposed myself, right. you know what I'm saying? Yep. And since then, like, all of the engagement and all of the genuine interaction and all of the uh, real I guess raw conversations have come with other people because they're like, "Well, Doug, basically gave it to the world. This is the worst parts of me, you know what I'm saying, and so now um, you know when I when I post about things like that, you know it's a hundred plus. You know, people engaging versus you know, I'm sitting right. there talking about boring stuff like building sales teams. It's like 20 plus, you know, and so um, that was really an eye-opening experience for me. And
0: you know, you know, and it and it's interesting, like the kind of the psychology of that. If people mm-hmm. want to. I, I did a podcast right before, so I've done about 180 podcasts in the last 12 months damn, I, I get around. I <laughs> yeah. did. I was on a podcast earlier today and, and the, and the girl that I was talking to uh-huh. was kind of like that. And she's like, I just get on there and I just bitch sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and, but she's like, when I stopped, like, I didn't post for a little while, people were like blowing me up. Like what the hell? Like we, we need your content. We need your honesty. We need your vulnerability right. because no one else is talking about it. Yeah. And that's what, that's why you get such great engagement on, those times where you're being vulnerable and you're like, you're getting naked at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, you're getting naked. And so uh, people want that people want, because they can live vicariously through you, Mm -hmm. your, your courage to do that. Like the amount of courage that it takes to do that from my own personal experience is like more like it's, it takes more courage than going into combat. I would much rather go into combat and expose my fears to, random people. Yeah.
1: that you don't know, but right. when
0: I do it, I'm like, Oh, I am better. And it, and it helps so many other people.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get judged. You know what I mean? But it's like four out of a hundred, you know what I'm saying? And right. then, and then, like you said, they bring it. Most people want you to win, you know? And that's yes. what we don't realize. We, you know, there's been this narrative on social media in general, you know, about haters or whatever. And it's like, it's because you're, I love haters. Yeah. You're only listening to like the three or four that are actually commenting that type of stuff. You've forgot about the hundred likes you got and the 20 positive comments and you're just focusing on the negative. You know what I mean? And so I love
0: haters. They drive the algorithm. So I get more, get more interaction. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. They drive the controversy and that drives the algorithm a hundred percent. Now it's, it's. This has definitely been a, a, a great conversation, a little out of my comfort zone, you know what I mean? Because I'm usually talking Good. to people that are that are uh, heavy in sales or, you know what I mean, that have gone through some type of sales organization transition or they're, you know, high-end salespeople, whatever the case is. And so to kind of get your perspective of, you know, sales in general, but also just, just life has, uh, has helped a lot. And I, I think it can give sales managers or business owners in general, a way to approach some of the issues that they have in organizations, whether it be operating at at a high level, like a Navy SEAL, or dealing with, you know, uh, people that have come from the military and that have that uh, operational background and and how to transition them into their private workforce. So I think it's, it's, yeah, it's been, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if
0: you, if, if, if a company has an opportunity to hire a veteran, not all veterans are created equal Mm -hmm. and there are some bad apples out there. Yeah but overall you're going to probably get a higher quality candidate at the end of the day yeah you just have to train them and and, and set high expectations and and train them don't take anything for granted and 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 then roll. uh but what i'd like to throw out there before we before we get too close to the end is mm-hmm. if you're if you're interested in like the five seal secrets sort of like uh the get naked mindset i i i've i've written it all down i've, I've put it into a pdf and if you go to the the website the number 5 sealsecrets.com 5sealsecrets.com okay um put your name and email in there i'll email you a copy of of 5 seal secrets it's an automated deal mm-hmm. it goes to your inbox if you want me to come out and uh, speak to your organization and I'm talking to you, I'm talking to like all of your listeners as well. Come to your organization, just reply to that. Like, Hey, I want to, I would love for you to come speak to me or come speak to our organization. If you're interested in in any kind of like, uh, high-end business coaching or leadership coaching, I offer that uh, service as well, kind of through five steel secrets. And, uh, and yeah, so I think that's probably the best way to to get a hold of me or and and read through that five steel secrets and just to give you a really quick story about that. Mm-hmm. I shared that with a buddy of mine. He was he was he's in the outdoor apparel industry. He was kind of struggling with some uh with his uh, the CEO of the company that he works for because they just got a bunch of uh of venture capital money and then they wanted their 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 profits back very quickly, you know, right, quarter right. over a quarter. And so the CEO was just putting all this pressure on the on the on the design team and everyone else. And my buddy's like, dude, I don't know what, I'm like, so Jim, like, let's walk through, let's build a plan, whatever. He was also dealing with some, you know, ex-wife things. And then I was like, okay, so let's, let's do this and that. And let's figure out like short, medium and long-term goals of the company. So you can plan out and do your thing. I was like thinking like the strategic part of it. And I was like, by the way, I just created this five seal secrets. Go check it out. He, he got it. He read through it. Then he printed it Then he laminated it and stuck it to his wall. And the next day, he told me this months later, he was like, the next day I went in and talked to my, to my CEO. And I was like, and he said, I walked in there. And I was like, Doug, listen to me. And my friend is not assertive. He's like mm-hmm. pretty laid back. But he was like, he walks in. And he was like, Doug, listen to me. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to perform for you the way you want me to. The CEO was like, what? Hold on um what stop first of all why are you being assertive why are you saying you're afraid and why are you being honest no one does any of those things what's going on he's like oh i listen my buddy's like five steel secrets blah blah blah." and so that's turned into some other opportunities for me like speaking and coaching so uh but yeah it was like it it changed my buddy's life like immediately and he didn't even Mm -hmm. tell me about it until months later when i was in colorado uh at a speaking to another organization. So that was, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. When you can have value like that
1: on something that you create once and put out into the marketplace and then people utilize it and capitalize on it. And then, and then of course, you know, like any, any, uh, any organization that's going to bring in leads and stuff like that, it's the top of the funnel. You know what I'm saying? And y- yeah. you at least know that you gave value and you did your part. And then if they want to go beyond that, then then they can hire you for that for sure. Show up with a giving hand. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll put we'll put that in the uh, show notes. What about your uh, what's What about your social media? What's the easiest way to 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 message you on social media?
0: I'm mostly on Instagram mm-hmm. at William or at Naked awesome. the Way Recovery. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I'm on, I'm on all of them, but if you, you Google me, you'll probably find me somewhere out there, Fantastic. mostly because I've done so many podcasts. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And if you, you have a podcast, I'm now. happy to come on as a guest. <laughs> we can talk about anything.
1: That's awesome. So we got five seal secrets. Uh, William does business coaching as well as, um, the, uh, you can come and talk to your organization about the, uh, naked warrior movement that he's got going on. So. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you reach out out to William if you need any more information on any of that. Uh, Thanks for coming on, William. Really appreciate it. Thanks
0: for having me. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built. Block. I block until next time.